Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's that? What does it look like? I haven't had a snowball in years. What, what's the calories in that? Uh, I don't know, actually. Let me have a quick look. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah, we just totally hijacked trying to start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what are the calories in a snowball? I mean, we could have done this on air. <laughs> Is it one? one drink that drinking or is it multiple that he mixes together it's multiple because you have to have a bit of avocar and a lemonade and a bit of lime juice and a maraschino cherry so it's quite camp oh great yeah. love it okay i'm gonna mute you we're gonna start the show welcome to what that old queen a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age so please listen at your own discretion presented by bernie and tommy their views are their own and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on now let your ears be upstanding for the <coughs> old queen Hey, Tommy. Hi, Bernie. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Not bad. How are you? I'm all right. <laughs> you... We're back in Zoom. We're back in Zoom in quarantine Christmas. Yeah, it's not bad, though, is it? No, it's all right. And we've got some guests because we're doing a, a queer mess party. Um, we have Robbie and Matthew. And Ryan. They are waving, but they're not... I don't know if that works on a... <laughs> you're, you're not muted anymore, so it's, it's fine. You can all talk. I did notice that we were waving, but the other two went first and waved. And I thought, <laughs> I should just carry on. <laughs> I am recording this, so I could just kind of um, maybe do Celebrity Squares or something. Well, that's actually, Bernie, that's what I always wanted. I always I, I watched things like Celebrity Squares, and they always had people doing that two-handed wave. And I always <laughs> wanted to be on TV and do one of those little kind of deepest celebrity two-handed waves. I mean, why haven't they done Celebrity Squares on Zoom during lockdown? I don't understand. I don't know. Why have they not done this? Because every time I'm on a group Zoom, I just think of Celebrity Squares. Same, same. 
They're bringing back Blankety Blank on Christmas Day, aren't they? I know. I love Blankety Blank. Yeah. It's one of my favourites. Blankety Walsh. But so, will they be doing it on Zoom? No, it's in the studio. But, I mean, it actually works quite well for social distancing, doesn't it? Because they're not sitting very close together. Yeah. Celebrity Squares is even better for social distancing. <laughs> Why has it not come back? Um, so we're so four of us are in Bristol, and Ryan, you're in Utrecht. Yes, I'm in the Netherlands. How is it in the Netherlands? Well, I mean, it's all right, really. We're also in lockdown, but there's calm amongst people, so it seems less chaotic than what I think is happening in the UK right now. <laughs> Does is there any sign of snow? No, apparently it doesn't snow here that often. It just gets very... It's just very grey here, but that's okay. Sounds like Britain. Yeah, there's, why, I mean, the weather's practically the same. Why on earth did you move? <laughs> <laughs> Has it got anything to do with Brexit? Yeah, I think Brexit has a lot to do with why I moved and the looming deadline and um, just all-round incompetence of the government. And then I thought, what's keeping me from going? And I was like, nothing. So I went, (laughs) and here I am, gone. (laughs) Well, you're there and also here. Um, So are we all feeling Christmassy? Because this is our special Christmas episode. Yeah, kind of. Um, I've, I've had my, I've got my Christmas drink. I've got my snowball, and mm. uh, yeah, and I did a little Christmas shop, my Christmas Day food shop earlier, and bought some nineteen seventies prawn cocktail, and um, so yeah, kind, kind of got the tree up um, as Christmassy as as one can make it, um, whilst all the chaos uh, reigns around us. I think during a pandemic, yeah, it feels like. It does definitely feels like a weird Christmas. It doesn't feel like Christmas at all here, really, at the moment. Um, for me, how about you, Tommy? You've been doing a, a Christmas panto. Yes, which has just stopped um, on Saturday. It finished, so I've spent the last two days practically just lying on my sofa watching TV, and it feels like quite weird to be so tired from that. But because you're really just sat in front of a computer, but it was quite exhausting. But Zoom is tiring anyway, isn't it? It's quite, you have to, I mean, there's a lot of concentration that goes on in a show. Yeah, there's a lot of fiddly bits with like spotlighting yourself and hiding your camera. And, but yeah, I'm, I feel refreshed now after two days of watching crap on the telly. <laughs> well, we'll get into what you watched on the telly a bit later on. But I want to talk about the pagan origins of Christmas. And there's some information about that in the cabinet of curiosities so i thought we'd get that open again yeah and open it. i'll bring you all in with me on the tablet on zoom well you're all on zoom so <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be there virtually and i'll be there in reality i can't ever really understand how big the cap this cabinet is like well you know the tardis <laughs> I think more of the like the wardrobe in the line of witch in the wardrobe. Yeah, I mean it's a it's like a cross between the two. Uh-huh. But anyway, I'll just uh, I'll open it up and we'll we'll see what's inside. The reason why I also wanted to do it is because I think the music to the cabinet of curiosities sounds a bit Christmassy. It's a bit like the sugar plum fairy. 
which we can't hear, but you're, I'm sure you're enjoying. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are in the cabinet of curiosities. Oh, look at that! And smells bit here. <laughs> yeah, I've been meaning to talk to the cleaner about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go to the pagan section and and go to Christmas. And there's a little plaque which says early Christians had a soft spot for pagans. Would you believe? And also, it's a mistake to say that Christmas traditions come directly from pre-Christian paganism, according to Ronald Hutton, a historian from Bristol University. He used to teach my ex-boyfriend. Did he? Yeah. He's always on TV. He's like, yeah. He looks like the definition of a kind of um, dusty professor. Well, we've got him tied up in the corner in the Cabinet of Curiosities <laughs> right now. <laughs> he was a really good teacher, apparently. He is when he's compass mentors. Um, so, so Tommy, can you can you read the rest of the plaque for me? Yeah. I, well, I enjoyed the way you said plaque. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, when early Christians spread their religion across Europe, they were there were a variety of local and regional uh, creeds that people were living by. Um, these people were all lumped together under the same banner of pagans. Pagan linguistically means field, and these other beliefs were rural, whilst Christianity was urban. So, the reason why Ronald, he's still alive, I think, says that uh, Christmas traditions aren't directly from pre Christian paganism is because they were from lots of different traditions. So, it, they were just, paganism was just a name which they lumped all these other um, religious beliefs under. So it wasn't just one kind of religion. It was like lots of different ones which are, are under the banner of paganism. And early Christians were... So when you meet a pagan, you've got to say which branch. Yeah, are you exactly. <laughs> so early Christians were fascinated by these ancient traditions and wanted to mark and remember them, so incorporated them into the new Christian festivals. The Christmas tree is a 17th century German invention that derives from pagan practice of bringing greenery indoors for decoration in midwinter, which I just love, you know, I love putting a tree inside. And actually throughout the whole of lockdown, I just developed a whole big habit on like houseplants. Yeah. Well, I love, I love my houseplants, but also we always had like holly and ivy. What's the other one? Mistletoe at Christmas. Did you, have, did you kiss anyone under the mistletoe? Well, that would be telling. <laughs> um what about you guys did you have a tradition of bringing in greenery at christmas yeah we used to we were never allowed to get the tree until after december the 13th because that was my sister's birthday and it and it mustn't eclipse the birthday um right. so um when i got my tree this year i got it slightly earlier than that and i felt a bit naughty but yeah we used to, yeah, we had a we had a tree and we used to have mistletoe and holly and stuff does your sister still abide by that rule I don't know, actually. I, I imagine she probably does, yeah, because she's basically turning into my mum. Right. <laughs> Ryan, in in the Netherlands, is there uh, any kind of pagan traditions which you've uh, picked up? Well, we have a we have a Christmas tree. We have a really we have a massive one, actually. I'll show it to you, but obviously, it's not going to be. It's there in the corner. Oh yeah, that's quite a big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't really have anything to do with it. My housemates brought in this massive tree. It's a very long room you're in. 
It's a very long way. <laughs> and there's this massive window onto the streets. Right. Um, and people just keep their curtains open over here. So you just look in other people's houses. Wow. It's a very kind of, everyone's keeping their eye on each other. But it's also, it's weird, but it's also kind of nice. Mm. So no porn in the living room? No. Okay. That's um, an upstairs area. Okay. But just around the corner from where I live is the biggest sex shop in the Netherlands. It's oh. an erotic mega store. It's absolutely massive. Have you been in? I've not been in yet. It was open the first few days I was here, but since the lockdown, it's been closed. Do they have so any just... pagan greenery? Well, there's a pair of um, uh, lingerie, which is green, but I presume that the lingerie isn't pagan. Lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, should we get back to Santa? Because I know you love a bit of Santa. I do have a fetish for Santa, that's true. Santa Claus is a direct descendant of England's Father Christmas and other European variations who were all incarnations of old pagan spirits or sky spirits who travelled about the sky in winter. Has anyone seen any of these sky spirits? No. I'm trying desperately to think of some kind of innuendo in relation to that, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, in the Netherlands, there's... Um, a variation of Santa Claus called Sinterklaas. But Sinterklaas visits on December the 5th. And the thing I like most about Sinterklaas is that he lives in Spain. <laughs> he lives in the south of Spain. <laughs> and he travels over by boat for a few days, hands out some presents, and then goes back to Spain. <laughs> that sounds like a way better idea. What does he look like? I just imagine him looking like a big old expat kind of type of man. <laughs> All right, having his fry up. And the sun. Oh, bloody hell, we've got to go up to the fucking Netherlands. He <laughs> just looks like Santa Claus, but with, with a Pope hat on. You know. And a tan. And a tan, yeah. <laughs> well, Tommy, tell us more about the pagan winter solstice. <laughs> um, Christmas is a natural time for a feast. The shortest day of the year, winter solstice, could need to be lightened with feasts and decorations, especially in areas of the world where winters are dark. But feasts and celebrations at this time helped avoid depression and other psychological disorders brought on by this time, which is nice. Uh, and I think that's what we all need, really, uh, just a bit of um, jingle jangles, sparkly lights, sequins yeah you know, and it's i mean so many people are in lockdown over christmas this year and it just it feels a bit wrong doesn't it because it is a time when there is celebration and going to the pub and parties and it definitely doesn't feel the same but it also feels a bit like it's returning to its pagan roots because we're we're basically all kind of stockpiling food as if we're we're going to be hibernating for months like it feels like the roots you know a big a big meal well, a feast. A feast, exactly. A feast is what you need. So, giving gifts is actually a relatively new tradition at Christmas. They used to be given on New Year's Day as a blessing for people to make them feel good as the year ends. I mean, I think we're all going to feel good when this year ends. Apparently, gift giving at Christmas was made popular by Queen Victoria who gave her husband and children gifts on Christmas Eve in the 1840s and 1850s. 
So what do you think about so that? One, so it's just one decade. <laughs> <laughs> Two decades. <laughs> well, that's well, kind actually, of... On that label, it says from the 1840s to, 19, uh, to the 1850s. Oh, okay. Yeah, well... <laughs> what a tight bitch. <laughs> <laughs> really, really bad person typed this. I'll have words with them. <laughs> I like the idea of New Year's Day gifts instead because it just gives you a bit more time to work with and then you could get something in the sales. Yeah, but I guess the sales wouldn't start until after New Year's Day if, if gift giving was back at that time. Well, we don't need to tell the shops that. Okay. And actually, the sales have already started, haven't they, this they, year? They always start before Christmas. I, I, yeah, I don't really understand. Ryan, so... Gift giving is on the 5th of December in the Netherlands. Well, everyone gives, I think since class gives gifts out mainly to children on the 5th of December. And then there's a more people give gifts to each other on uh, the 25th. Right. Because in, in France, they usually do it on Christmas Eve, the 24th, don't they? Yeah. And a lot of, I think a lot of European countries do that. It's only kind of here in America that we do the 25th. So what do they all do on Christmas Day then? Just get, get pissed. It's a bit more like our Boxing Day in France, I think. Right. It's like you feel fat and you like roll around on the sofa. They all visit their um, mistresses. Right. <laughs> Just to give a huge generalisation to the French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's what's going to happen for me on Boxing Day oh is it well we won't go into that take (laughs) take us to church Tommy instead the church was in fact slow to embrace Christmas for hundreds of years they didn't think that they needed to celebrate Jesus' birthday it wasn't until the 4th century that church leaders embraced the holiday because people didn't believe that Jesus was a real person and was just a spiritual entity who they worshipped. They thought he had just appeared like a hologram. So they had to humanise him and give him a birthday. So they decided to coincide it with the celebration of the lengthening of the days of the 25th, which was the day that the sun was reborn after dying for three days. It began ascending in the sky. So Jesus is linked with the pagan celebration. Wow. There you go. And when I was researching this in another part of the Cabinet of Curiosities, it said that there was there's nothing in the Bible to say when Jesus was born. Mm. Well, do you know what that one made me think of? What? Theresa May. <laughs> you know, when they tried to, tr- try to humanise Theresa May, mm. they sort of tried to say, oh, and who... Who, who takes the bins out, Teresa? And they tried to get her to dance and stuff like that because they everyone just thought that... Well, I don't think they thought that she was a hologram, but they thought that she was a bit of a robot. The maple. And, yeah, yeah, and it didn't work very well for her. But <laughs> it's panned out differently for Jesus, so it seems. Yeah, obviously. Um, I mean, I quite like the fact that this is a pag- really a pagan festival, not really a Christian <laughs> one, which is the whole reason for this article, really. Puritans, Christian Puritans, hated the holiday after the schism, which is when the Catholic Church kind of split and became Protestant and Catholic, and considered it no better than paganism. I mean, everything we've just said probably just proves that, doesn't it? (laughs) 
<laughs> it literally is a pagan festival. They literally had an aversion to the bawdy nature of Christmas, of the feasting, of drinking and parties and celebration. I mean, they would because they're Puritans, right? Hang on. Going, going back to the Jesus thing. Mm. So they, they didn't think that Jesus was a real person, but we've turned him into a real person. So... Well, um, the well, people... What? <laughs> well, the church claimed that he is a real person, but the people that were, were Christians in the early ADs, let's put it that right. way, didn't actually believe he was a real person. They just thought he was like a spiritual being that had just appeared. So there was there was nothing to say when his birthday was. It was a massive PR exercise. Pretty right. much. <clears throat> what did they make of the Bible then when he was doing all of that stuff <laughs> well, well maybe they rewrote it <laughs> but you said um, he was like a hologram and I'm just curious as to how how long holograms have been uh, around it's quite a while that was that was just an analogy Ryan I just so it was Dave. <laughs> I'm just I'm just bringing it up to date <laughs> but Jesus was on zoom in something ad yeah i see suddenly he, he appeared on on zoom on the first century ad <laughs> and started turning he had to do an update yeah <laughs> and apparently he could set the background to look like he was walking on water <laughs> this explains everything i know it? right the whole bible makes sense if it's <laughs> in a new context the bible on zoom <laughs> according to queers <laughs> uh, Tommy have you got something else to say about this um, what did you have in mind <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've got something to say about everything I think you've got another bit of the of the trinket from the I cabinet of curiosities to talk about oh yes yeah, sorry but this way of celebrating also stems from the ancient Roman Saturnalia which was a very queer Roman festival, which stems from the time of feasting, cross-dressing and orgies. So Christmas has been has had more queer roots than Christian. I think we all knew that anyway, didn't we? I was wondering when the, there was going to be a queer link to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're in the church of queerness. <laughs> <laughs> um will you be doing much cross-dressing matthew this christmas always yeah okay good yeah um so and party are we what were you gonna say <laughs> no i was just chuckling okay oh, i thought you were gonna say i'm not gonna be doing any cross-dressing but i'm gonna be having lots of orgies <laughs> <laughs> well that goes without saying <laughs> so partying is an important part of LGBT plus culture. And the reason for that is uh, much of our formative years are spent hiding your real identity and feelings. Being in the closet can sometimes make you miss out on clubbing, teenage romances. And so we spend the rest of our lives making up for that. But that's one of the reasons why I think we like partying, isn't it? Uh, like things like Christmas and Halloween and New Year are quite big for... I mean, they, I know they're big for everyone, but they're quite big for. I, I think for they're big in people. different ways, yeah. aren't they? For, 
queers because I, if you think about I was thinking about Christmas earlier and actually kind of the modern the modern take on society's take on Christmas is actually quite puritanical isn't it it's a kind of you know about you know it's 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 a bit consumerist it's about giving you know giving children if they've behaved properly and um yeah and actually it's quite whilst it's feasting it's it's a bit kind of sitting around the table with your nan nodding off and um and for for kind for a kind of non-queer culture and actually the queers will kind of and i'm not saying it's specific to queers but you know we we treat it as a kind of a great you know let's go and get shit faced around at whose house or whatever and it's almost like an extended christmas new year is our bacchanalian saturnalian whatever it is you know yeah. we treat we, we kind of the, the Christmassy bit is maybe is maybe subsumed by the by the party bit. Do you think? Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. I I, um, I made this decision probably about ten fifteen years ago because I wasn't really a Christmassy kind of person that I would just embrace it, and I I've actually always worked for the big man you know, during Christmas. So I've either had jobs in the perfume department where, you know, you sell a lot of perfume when you work in a department store over Christmas, or I've worked in a grotto as an elf. Well, this year, you know, did the online panther. So I've always tried to just like actually go full on in with it rather than react against it. Do we, do, do we think we, Christmas needs to be more queer? Is it too straight? at the moment yeah i think i agree with rob i think that it actually i reckon for a lot of queer people well certainly for me it's it often felt like i was going home and yeah. having to kind of play a role it, i mean it always kind of is a bit like that when you go back to a family home isn't it but that actually it's not i don't think of uh, christmas as being particularly kind of queer friendly so for me it was always coming back from from my family and being able to go out with my friends again but yeah was the kind of release bit, you know. So New Year, I feel, is more up our street. More Saturnalia. And yeah, and that's why I feel like working for Christmas has allowed me to actually find my place in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's difficult to find your place in Christmas. And I guess going back to your your family almost feels a little bit like going back to those formative years when you weren't out in a way and you perhaps can't fully be yourself. I know so many people are out to their families and stuff, but it, there is there's still a kind of link there to that, isn't there? Yeah, definitely, and also a probably link before when to when you were young and kind of lost in your own imagination before you had to confront all the the realities of of society and and kind of perception of what you were going to be. You know, I, I my my memory of Christmas when I was young was kind of sitting cross legged, feeling the presents, looking at the the, the coloured lights on the tree, and uh, in almost this kind of dreamlike um f fantasy really and i think there's a bit of that as well there's mm. a kind of there's the the, the the kind of sitting sulkily like a teenager in in, in your mum and dad's living room but then the, before that there's the kind of the innocence a bit and i think i think i think maybe the queers hark after that innocence a little bit which is why that we you know we don't reject christmas um mm. because it, it is pretty camp and over the top um but there's also that childhood and i think you know you look at a lot of queer uh culture and sensibility it does it, it kind of uh harks back to uh, uh an innocent time yeah mm -hmm. um brian you won't be going home to your parents this christmas but your parents are pretty cool with your sexuality and everything aren't they well i think so i mean i've never properly kind of 
for me, like there's been, there's been no kind of coming out process, <laughs> but, um, mom, my mum did ask about my sexuality over lockdown actually. And that was a very nice open conversation. And there's never been any, like, there's been nothing to come out from and right. into, which feels really nice. So there's, there's no kind of like Christmas at home is very much just about like giving presents and a lot of fun. And I feel like they're like Christmas is just camp inherently. Like tinsel is just camp. <laughs> like yeah. it's just a tinsel is just a camp object, and you kind of like put really strange, very tacky decorations up in your homes. It's a very it's it's very strange when you think about Christmas. Well, I've decorated my Christmas tree just in in my pearl necklaces. <laughs> and nice. it, it looks lovely. Well, on that note, <laughs> on the pearl necklace, we will close the cabinet of curiosities <laughs> and the pagan origins of Christmas and the fact that it maybe should be a little bit more queer, right? I think it's undecided. Well, I've decided. <laughs> Um, unfortunately this year we can't do the banquet which I put on for you guys last year which was snack out of it and practically the whole show was snacking out on stuff but we will I did a little delivery through my door I wanted a little kind of you know hamper um, yeah but because of the lockdown and the new variant I couldn't get that parcel to um, Utrecht so um and I, I you know in wanting to treat everyone the same um we're just going to use our imagination uh, well what i want to do with a nod to a christmas snack out of it is know what are your favorite christmas snacks ryan sent me something that he's been snacking on recently oh yeah a picture of something mm -hmm. what's that ryan it was a vegetarian sausage do you remember <laughs> oh yes <laughs> I was only very concerned then. I thought, what about something Yeah, there's these, um, there's these little sausages I found in a supermarket, and they're just called Little Willies. <laughs> they tasted very nice, actually. <laughs> did they? Yeah. What did they taste like? Well, I thought I'd be... When I saw them, I was quite disappointed. But then when I had one, I was pleasantly surprised. You know? Oh, yeah, obviously. Um, what about you, Robbie? What's your favourite Christmas snack? Well, so I mean, just that normal kind of rest of the year, I'm very much a savoury kind of guy, and I'm all about the crisps. But I do indulge my sweet side at Christmas, and I, I have a penchant for kind of ugh, kitsch chocolate, really stuff like After Eights. And I, I always get a big box of After Eights in my stocking, yeah. and um, I quite like just sitting, shoveling them in greedily into my mouth. <laughs> And get, giving myself a little fondant beer, <laughs> and then and then maybe coming to at like two a.m. with something on the TV covered in empty envelopes of. Uh, yeah. of uh, what a beautiful picture you've painted! <laughs> yeah. And I might feel like that you have a little bit of a pearl necklace going on there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matthew, what what's your favourite Christmas snack? Well, I do like a pig, a pig in a blanket. Oh yeah, me too. I was going to say pig in blankets, um, especially if they've been 
Well, do you know what? I got a copy of Nigella's um, Christmas book the other week oh. for five pounds from eBay. And she does these um, pigs and blankets that are like glazed in honey. <gasps> I'm into that. That sounds amazing. Also, I was watching a program today that was one of those programs on BBC One that on this was called like A Country Christmas or something. And it was only about halfway through that I realised it was a religious program, because <laughs> um, they just kept every item just kept coming back to God. Um, but anyway, um, they were making they were in Wednesday they were in the no, it's not the village called Wednesdaydale, but it was where they make Wednesdaydale cheese. And I was reminded that I really like a piece of fruit cake with a slice of cheese on it, oh. like that kind of sweet savoury thing. My dad used to love that. He used to like it yeah. toasted. <gasps> wow. So the so the cheese would be melting on top of the kind of warm Christmas cake uh-huh. or fruit cake. Uh, uh, yeah, my my uh, uncle used to like fry. The next day, he used to fry slices of Christmas pudding in butter. I mean, that is a recipe for a heart attack, isn't it? I know, but sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like a minty matchmaker. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, what about the after eight there? Well, I do like an after eight as well, but I also like a minty matchmaker, you know, chocolate sticks. It's okay. It's Why wouldn't right. you? <laughs> I used to like the box, the advert on the box. What was that? It was well, it says 70s, wasn't it? Yeah. And it always r- reminds me of Fiddler on the Roof. How come? Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Da 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 dee. Da 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 da. Do you know that song? No? It's been a long time since I've watched that musical, but I should check it out. Especially this Christmas. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, on that bombshell, uh, we'll have a little break and we'll be back after this. here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Right, so we're back. And uh, everyone's still in the the throne room, in the Zoom room. And um, this year, because of the virus, we've all had to do without a lot of things. But I want to ask the room, what is the thing that you cannot live without? God. You see, when I read your notes, I thought that I was attached to the snack. So I was going to say the little, the little rosemary cracker, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've not thought this through. Um, you like a rosemary cracker? Well, there's a particular um, little one that they do. Yeah, right. Which I- oh, I thought you said little. No, little. So, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a little rosemary cracker. <laughs> Is this what you can't live without at Christmas or no, just generally? In, ge- in general, as a little reflection on the year. Well, I found that I've, I, you know, I'm obsessed with my telephone and yeah. yeah, and that's the thing that immediately sprung to my mind. Same, but I felt a bit depressed about that. I know, I hate it. And, and I have actually, you know, because I've started watching a lot more films, I have managed to get into the habit of switching the phone off just to watch the film but then as soon as i finish the film i'm like running to the phone to switch it on again which is really annoying but that's what i've done but we watched um a couple of friends watched far from the madding crowd last night Mm. and we kept the phone on and we just commented on whatsapp while we were going through Mm. what's in that is it a new one yeah, it's what's that woman called that's in a lot of things? Um, Gillian Anderson. No, <laughs> Gillian Anderson. Who, they seem to be getting everyone from the Crown to do the Marks and Spencers adverts at the moment. Yes, I heard, she's yeah, I heard Gillian Anderson's voice come on uh, like a Marks and Spencers advert. It was Julie Walters has done one as well. Yeah, she's not in the Crown. No, but who's if who, she'd played the Queen? That would have been fun, wouldn't it? That would have been bloody amazing. Or the Queen Mum. Yeah. As Mrs. Overall. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie Mulligan. Oh, yeah. Who's who's the one who does play the Queen in The Crown? Olivia Olivia Coleman. She's definitely done a Marks and Spencer advert, and I thought it was exactly the same one as Gillian Anderson's. Maybe. So that's why I was thinking they were linking to the crown. But you, know. you seem you seem a bit angry about it, Bernie. So it's me. <laughs> well, I'm just angry that I haven't been asked to do one yet. <laughs> a Mark Spencer's advert read by Gillian Anderson just sounds amazing. It was very good. She was she was yeah. doing her uber English accent for it. Oh, it sounds very erotic. It was quite. It was quite sexual. You've got a soft spot for Gillian Anderson, haven't you, Ryan? I do. I do love Gillian Anderson. 
she has this way of like pouting whilst mm. and like the way she delivers lines is just like even when she was playing Thatcher it was it was strangely arousing can you do an impression of Gillian Anderson doing Margaret Thatcher I can, yes <laughs> I can try come on then I don't see why as a queer person <laughs> I should be allowed to do an accent of Gillian Anderson pretending to be Margaret Thatcher <laughs> That's how I <laughs> that was amazing. It was. It's just, just so like it's so strained. Like everything was so strained, and then it was like every time she spoke, she was having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I didn't really like her in the crown. I thought she was overdoing it. She was doing. She did a weird thing with her mouth. That the pout was too much. Yeah, it was a bit strokey, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. strokey. Uh, Robbie, what's what's the thing you cannot do without? cannot do without well i guess uh it's kind of a cliche really but but music i suppose is what i've had to fill my time with and when i was so i was on furlough for nearly three months and actually a lot of the things that um people say i can't do without and i would count myself among them things like human contact and all that kind of stuff was there because everyone else was was kind of doing that a little bit so I didn't feel like I had to try very hard to find that. But then when I had these big kind of windswept afternoons of absolute existential nothingness, mm. um, then, I, then I, I, I used to just lie on the sofa and, you know, drape myself on the sofa and, and listen, to, listen, to, listen to music. And, um, and You're I, listening to I, Joni Mitchell? Yeah, lots and lots of 80, 80s Joni Mitchell especially, lots of kind of overproduced kind of breathy Thomas Dolby 80s Joni Mitchell, and it was wonderful, and it totally, totally kept me going. And I don't know what I would have done with, without that, really. I think I would have I would have properly, properly lost the plot. Uh, I hope that Joni knows that. Yeah, I, will, I, might, I might tweet her. Well, I think she <laughs> listens to the podcast, so... Does she? Yeah. Well, if she doesn't, she, she should. should. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, what what can't you do without? Um, I think I can't do without eight hours sleep. Like mm. I I I think I I don't behave very well if I've had less sleep than that. And I do think like I'm really like I really admire all my friends who've got kids and who go through that like long period where they get like four hours sleep a night, if that. And it's all. Um, I mean, I think that's why um, gay people have such kind of youthful complexion because they don't get that kind of half decade of being haggard and not getting any sleep anyway yeah doesn't pan out for me because i'm an insomniac but oh, maybe, are you? i didn't know that yeah but i'm but maybe i'm not one of your youthful complexion gays oh i think you are i um, i don't i very often don't get eight hours sleep i sometimes just get four or five oh, margaret thatcher she only had four hours sleep a night didn't she yeah, the, well, there's like an, uh, a Japanese inventor who's like the top inventor who's invented loads of things, really intelligent, and he only has six hours sleep a night. Yeah, I just need, I just need it. I don't need any more than eight. I've never been a, a big liar in it, but like, I need, I need a decent kip. But six hours, I'd be happy with six hours. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all right with seven, I think. Mm. But yeah. Ryan, what can't you do without? Is it now those little willies? Yeah, sausages? I mean, I, I, could do, I could do without little willies. They were <laughs> okay. very nice, but I'm not. I'm not dependent on them. Okay. I'm not addicted yet. Um, 
I don't think it's sad to say, but I don't think I could do without alcohol. <laughs> like I said before, it's a safe space. <laughs> like every time I like sometimes a glass of wine in the evening, it just takes the edge off the day. Totally. And I realize for some people it's really obviously it's it's not great for, for some people. But it's um but it's been a nice friend to me. Yeah. <laughs> over lockdown. I quite agree. And uh, I mean I probably could do without it. Maybe this is an extreme thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I also associate it with like with socializing and friends and I yeah. think that's what I can do without it. Yeah, for sure. Well that's good. Right. Well I have quite a few Queens of Agony questions. Shall um shall we do some? Yes, please. Okay. Right, so we'll interject with these. I've got like three longer ones and then a couple of kind of shorter ones so this one had the subject of being a feminine gay i'm 18 and identify as a man i'm not really that feminine in the way that i act or dress but my face and especially my body is just feminine however i don't understand why we always get hated on especially on the apps I feel like every time someone talks about feminine guys, it's that they're annoying, unattractive, or undesirable, etc. I just brush it, brush it off, but I don't get it. I know everyone has a type and that's fine, but why is it they're always so hostile towards us? Is it really so bad to look more feminine? Well, I think it's the patriarchy. Oh. It's interesting, you know, that Thomas Hardy film was great last night that we watched um and it said there's a line in it that, that she says something because she's a really strong woman uh and she says something like it's really difficult for a woman to express herself when all we're given is the language of men or something it's something words to that effect i wrote it down because i liked it so much but you know females or female identifying people will always feel that the dynamics of a power structure in place i think yeah it's kind of it's all right to be masculine as in to be like a man but it's not all right to be like a woman is it and you think you're sort of if you're if you're a gay masculine man then you're sort of fitting in with something that is is um quite binary and 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 so it's a bit more accepted yeah well i was i i listened to your um so the yesterday I listened to the episode that you did with Joe Bannon, oh. um, and when you were talking about I can't remember what the letter was in Queens of Agony, but it was about um, you ended up talking about masculinity, and Joe was saying how it feels like it's only really in the past kind of ten or fifteen years that this kind of hyper masculine thing has come in, where it's all about having the biggest muscles and being kind of uh, super masculine, and 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 that. Being a, being a feminine gay person is just not seen as attractive. And I, I think that's really true. And so I can't remember what, what the exact phrasing of the question was, but I think it's not, I don't think it is a problem. Is that what the question was? It, yeah. It, or also, why do they get hated mm -hmm. on a lot on like Grindr and things like that? But also, just to add, they also get absolute appreciation and love. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people that like the feminine gay man. 
that want specifically want that i think this email came in from america and but some of the stuff that we get from america is 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 quite different than than reactions that we get um in the uk not completely different but i think there's a there's a lot of work to do in certain places in america in terms yeah, of yeah i think um i think um what tom was saying about maybe it's about like not fitting to the binary and as soon as you don't fit into this kind of binary system then then you're then you're other and you're different and i feel like um yeah maybe this is what causes animosity on the apps mm. for example but yeah that's kind of sad isn't it and i personally i like really like feminine men mm. i find that like i find that very sexy and attractive yeah what about you robbie yeah, I mean, I've got nothing to add really, apart from that I agree with with all of that. And I, yeah, I definitely find feminine men attractive, probably more attractive than a man who is trying to um, overcompensate for for something by being overly overly masculine in inverted commas. So mm-hmm. I, I can't pretend that I know psychologically what the reason is for this, and you know that you can suggest a lot of reasons, some of which have already been suggested, but. Um, yeah, I think the non-binary thing and the patriarchy thing are both relevant. And I think as well, you know, maybe maybe there's some, uh, maybe it just upsets some men who are a bit uncertain of their own sexuality and, and find it easier to, to be gay if it fits into a binary kind of heteronormative um, hole, so to speak. And, uh, uh, and and if they see a, a you know someone someone maybe that they do subconsciously fancy, but it doesn't doesn't kind of corresponds to what they think their 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 um their their relationship or or sexuality should tell them to fancy, then they feel threatened by that. Yeah. I I think it's interesting what you said, Tommy, because I remember growing up in the seventies as a kid, and uh. I used to love feminine stuff when I was a kid. I used to like put him on my mum's makeup. I used to skip up the road in my mum's pink frilly nighty, and I didn't really see that there was anything wrong with that at that that time. But I, but I did notice, like I noticed everybody else didn't like me doing that, and there was a girl who was a tomboy, and nobody said a word about that. And I always remember thinking why why is it all right for her to be a tomboy i wanted to be a julie girl you know i wanted to be more feminine and but then obviously as you get older you realize that you have to try and fit in with society and so you kind of hide all of that and become more masculine i mean i'm i'm hoping that we're we're getting to a stage where people don't feel that they have to repress whatever they want to look like whatever they want to you know put yeah. on especially as a kid i remember recently i saw a little boy dressed up as a princess in marks and spencers and i loved it i was like god i wish i could have done that when i was a kid and he was with his parents and everything and they would they would just like let him do that and i just loved it anyway should we move on to the next question yeah right as this is what that old queen <laughs> plans for old age Yesterday, I was listening to a podcast asking older people about their experiences relating to aging. Having children doesn't solve anything, as I realise that there are millions of heteros with multiple children living their last years in nursing homes or on their own. 
Do you guys have active plans about dealing with your inevitable physical and mental decline? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I think my physical and mental decline has already started. <laughs> Is that the end of the letter? <laughs> That's the end of the letter. <laughs> Dignitas. Mm. Um, no, but I, uh, I don't. But um, I, I know that you... Bernie, you've talked to friends of ours about old age, haven't you? And about um, uh, about the idea of everyone living in a big house together. I love that idea. Yeah, um, I think more of a kind of commune, and and maybe yeah. we could have some pretty young things to help us when we make a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, Tommy. What what are your plans? Well, uh, the, because I'm in the situation where. You know, I'm desperately trying to save up money so that I can actually buy my own property. And right at the beginning, before lockdown hit us, I was in conversations with a couple of people and we were trying to work out a commune situation. And I was like, well, we, we definitely need it to be a mix of ages within. We wanted it to be a, not exclusively queer, but, but there to be a very queer presence within the commune. Um, and then, and then the person that was really leading on that was um, was became shielded, like because of their situation. So they ended up just buying somewhere on their own um, with their. They've got two children, and um, but I think that that that's not. I've not ruled that out of my head. Really, that's the sort of kind of situation. Mm. And it, and and it's also connected to like what for me wanting to be near more outdoor space really because I'm living right in the heart of the centre and I would like to have a bit more open space around me as well yeah totally Robbie yeah I, I, I think we've talked about that that commune idea as well before which which is appealing and I guess that there probably aren't enough shambling old manor houses out in the on cliff tops for, for everyone to be um, to, 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 to do that for really i don't know i feel like society says that you know if you're a heterosexual and you a heteronormative lifestyle then you buy a house and then you pay off the mortgage and then you get you retire and then you've got that kind of equity in your house and that pays for your that and your children look after you in your dotage and uh because we all you know don't necessarily follow that then we don't have that so there's this big question mark isn't there about what happens when we get to our um decrepitude and um yeah i don't know i think as long as there's a a hot 19 year old that pushes me out to a cliff top in a bath chair and <laughs> i'd be happy with that and if you know i think he'll know one day that he can just kind of tip me over the edge and, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean in spain they they've got uh their first uh old people's home which was for gay people or lgbtq plus people and i i quite like the idea of that as you get older I'd, I'd feel I think I'd feel quite weird if I was put in a home with just a bunch of straight people uh, but I guess you'll say maybe a bit do lally by then you don't care I don't know well that's what that's why there's a whole situation of people talking a lot about um, old people going back into the closet when they go into yeah. old age when they go back into an old people's home yeah. there's a brilliant book that my friend wrote Alan Clark called Rory's Boys about an old, uh, specifically like it's a fictional book 
um, about a gay old people's home. Ryan, what are your plans? Yes, at 26, I'm obviously very close to... Um... <laughs> totally. I mean, you're going to be coming back to the commune to look after all of us, right? He's definitely going to. That's what I've booked him in for. Right, great. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be Tom's carer. Um, well, I think you're going to be all of our carers. I don't know about Tom getting exclusivity. <laughs> well, Tom's booked me exclusively. <laughs> mm, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I have a problem. I don't think I want to move into a commune. Um, I, I think I'd find that I, I, I have an What I'd really like to happen to me is that I'm rich enough to be able to be one of those people that lives in a hotel. So I'd like oh, a kind yeah. of, I'd like a suite in a hotel where, yeah. you know, like Margaret Thatcher, no? Yeah, totally. Exactly like Margaret Thatcher. Someone brings me my, my breakfast, like just, I just get served. Um, but I don't have to deal with, the thing about living in a commune, you have to deal with the politics. I don't want to deal with that. I just want to be able to be in my room, you know, yeah. watching TV. Watching TV. <laughs> having the 19 year old wheel you out around the gardens yeah. occasionally uh and then I off the cliff go, i want to be able to go downstairs to the ballroom and like watch a, watch people dance and you know okay that. yeah i quite like that idea that's that's yeah. quite a nice although i fancy that none of us will be rich enough to do that yeah. but well you know and it would have to be a really nice hotel it couldn't be like a premier inn could it you know <laughs> yeah or i don't mind an aging hotel yeah you know faulty towers yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally anyway should we move on <laughs> something a li little less depressing than uh growing older um i wasn't depressed <laughs> <laughs> how dear old queens how do i improve my kissing game i started having a ma mini panic attack because i suddenly realized i haven't kissed anyone in over a year and that i might be out of practice or sloppy as a result. Kissing is honestly my favourite activity of any sexual slash romantic kind, and I wanted to pop the question to get some sage advice from the voices of experience. So, how do you improve your kissing game? Let's go. Let's go to the youngest of us, Ryan. How do you improve your kissing game if you haven't done it for a while? Um. Well, I think if you're concerned about it being sloppy, then, you know, just try to not make it so sloppy. I feel like that's, I mean, we've all kissed people who are bad at kissing and we've all kissed people who are very good at kissing. And I suppose that's just life, isn't it? <laughs> like, I'm not sure if it's something you can, I think, I'm not sure if it's something you can improve like a sport. And I'm not sure what's good or what's, what's bad. Do you, uh, yeah, is there some kind of kissing training that you could do? One of those um, know-the-game books from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're concerned about, for example, if you're concerned about it being sloppy, then then try to make it less sloppy by, you know, not using so so much of your inner mouth. <laughs> But the sloppy thing is like some some people have said I really want to give you a sloppy kiss. I don't see it. I don't see a problem with a sloppy kiss. I quite like a sloppy kiss sometimes. Oh, some people will want a sloppy kiss. Yeah. Are you, uh, Robbie, were you referring to kissing with confidence? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, confidence is how totally how I learned to kiss. And uh, for for those listeners um, who don't know it, then it's a it's an amazing song by Will Powers um, with a kind of spoken word um, uh, kind of lesson about about how to kiss and um, not have spinach in your teeth. And uh, <laughs> great, great, great song. Um, so I've, that would that would be my go to is listen to Kissing with Confidence by Will Powers. Right, Matthew. Well, I think there's. What's your best a, kissing uh, tip? Well, I think there's a difference between sloppy and lazy. I feel like, I feel like you could you, sloppy is an active decision, you know. Um, lazy is like we've all kissed people who were lazy kissers, and I feel like that's just disappointing, isn't it? They don't kind of put in the effort. Like they don't really want to kiss you. Uh, what? No, it's more that they just don't do any of the work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that could be said for a number of sexual yeah. activities, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I agree with Ryan. It's just like, I don't think you'll be out of practice. I think like I think the way you kiss is, relates to the, the kind of person you are and you'll be fine. I think it's like riding a bike and it depends who you're yeah. kissing and how vehemently you might do it, a la Call Me By Your Name, which we won't go back into. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should... I think that the... Like, you need to want to kiss the person and kiss with consent. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah. You... I, like, I like to kiss myself. <laughs> I just like to kiss myself but on the shoulder. <laughs> just, yeah. You do that thing, Tom, when you paint lipstick on your, um, on your finger and thumb and then make a little face and then kiss. <laughs> I've not done that, but... I do, and I've I've often been in an act of lovemaking with another partner, and I'd like to kiss myself within that <laughs> whole scenario. Tom, can I just remind you, this isn't your OnlyFans page. <laughs> it's just a shoulder I'm getting at. <laughs> right. Well, that's it's just what. That's all we need, Tom. <laughs> it's just not nice. If you just kiss your shoulder, it does feel nice. Yeah. Uh, I can't get my shoulder out of this garb that i've got on um okay let's move on <laughs> i think don't worry about your kissing it's you'll be fine yeah. and if they like you and you like them it's gonna be great kiss a, kiss a pillow kiss a pillow yeah if you want to yeah, whatever uh, anyway um, <laughs> um <laughs> these are kind of quick fire ones dear old queen's what makes gay men so witty? Oscar Wilde. <laughs> we've all we've all inherited it from him. Right. He's our queer family tree. Yeah. We're we're all descended from Oscar Wilde. Yeah. It's a bit like the Jews. They're all descended from Abraham. We're all descended from Oscar Wilde. <laughs> mm. I actually think that's quite a profound question because if you think uh, when I think about my life, I. You know, in schools, particularly primary school, actually, you know, the way that I fitted, that the way that I managed to fit in with other people was through a sense, of, well, Rob was in my secondary school, um, but through a sense of humour. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. And it's it's a it's a good deflector, isn't it, humour? If you feel like you're, the, the cannon's turned on you, then if, if you can kind of use your, use your wits to, to get, get yourself out of it, the defense mechanism isn't it totally I, I went to like the roughest school and uh one of the things that i did 
to not get beaten up was to do impressions of all of the teachers like do funny impressions of them mm-hmm. and well i used to do impressions of margaret thatcher did you uh, <laughs> uh, do you want to give us your impression of margaret thatcher now <laughs> tommy well i used to just this was a, this is at primary school right i used to just say hello my name is margaret thatcher it was it was a shit impression but that's what that's what everyone used to like know me as the person that does impressions of margaret thatcher and also i used to do um the in the cub scouts i did an impression of what was the one can't remember her name she goes oh you should watch my new film it's called fire in the woods cupid's thumb oh my clothes come off (laughs) i'm telling you the plot (laughs) yeah i'm telling you the plot (laughs) (laughs) ryan what makes gay men so witty i feel like i get my wit from um hanging out with other queer people i feel like some of my wit comes directly from tom marshman (laughs) sometimes i do something and go oh tom would love this if he was here (laughs) but also i feel like there's a sense of like embracing your otherness or embracing your silliness and when you get past the point of like when something pops into your head when you're unafraid to say it and be silly or be irreverent then um and i think queer people have to go through that process in other aspects of their life i feel that that helps you become more witty yeah maybe we're just a little bit more playful yeah yeah i love i love silliness this time last year me and Ryan had just completed a big, massive tour of all the shows that I did. And we just drove around in Ryan's van and we just amused ourselves the whole, like we were on epic journeys, like from Newcastle to Bristol or right, like long travels. And we just like, I would ask Ryan to do impressions of Lauren Averne or, uh, <laughs> you know, we would just, we, we would just entertain ourselves, wouldn't we? Yes. At one journey, I remember um, Tom decided to sort out his phone bill <laughs> on, on the journey, and it lasted. It lasted an hour. It lasted it from Colchester. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing thing to to listen in on. It sounds a hoot. <laughs> Dear old queens, what's the celebrity crush that you have that makes others go, what the fuck? Oh, wow. What a good question. I've had one very recently and I've moved into a European household. So two of my housemates are German and my other housemate is French. And I let it slip that I have a secret crush on the um, head of the EU. (laughs) It's called Ursula von der Leyen. It's a very embarrassing crush, but there's something about her and I let it slip and... um, they haven't let it go that I have a crush on Ursula von der Leyen. I'm just going to Google her right now. Yeah. I thought you were going to say um, Michelle Barnier. The because the... <laughs> <laughs> he is actually he. I reckon he was hot when he was younger. He's like mm. he's a bit of a silver fox. Uh, but what about you then, Matthew? What's your? Yeah, I was just trying to think. I mean, there was there was a predictable one that I, I now feel kind of ashamed of. I, like I did have a bit of a crush on Rishi Sunak, and mm. and then now it's like that everyone was like, "Oh, dishy Rishi," and so and then also he's just like a dreadful Tory. Uh, so uh, uh, no, not him. 
I, I have a crush on them. Um, <laughs> it's really embarrassing. I've, I do have a crush on Joe Wicks, the body coach. I think he is like quite cute, and but he's also like his voice is quite annoying. But like, right? I bet Ryan can do an impression of Joe Wicks. Yeah, come on, Ryan. All right, everyone. My name's Joe Wicks. <laughs> Welcome to my PE lesson. Today we're going to be doing push-ups and we're going to be doing some step aerobics, everyone. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> like he'd probably be really annoying to be around but yeah. but I think he's quite a nice person there we go Robbie um, I mean this feels like it's of a time but I remember saying this to a couple of people and getting a, that kind of face that they give you from it and I used to really crush on what's his name um, Preston from the Boys oh yeah and I used to really fancy him and I think he's a bit of a dick by all accounts, but um, but yeah, I, 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 I got I got kind of that what face off a couple of people when I admitted that. So I never I never talk about it now, even though I do still follow him on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bernie? Well, there's probably a couple of people. I did have a bit of a crush on Michael Portillo for <laughs> some reason. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a bit strange. There's something about him which is—he's very charismatic, isn't he? Yeah. He's got blue job lips. Mm, I think that might be it. Uh, who was it. the Who was the it girl? Uh, like the British it girl, Tara Palmer Tompkinson. Yeah, I had a bit of a crush on her for a while. She's quite I masculine. She had gorgeous arms. Yeah, has she passed away now? Mm. Yeah. Oh, bless her. Okay. Well, I think we've come to the end of the show. I haven't told you mine. Oh, what's yours? I thought you had told us yours. What's your, Have I? What's yours, Tommy? Trevor McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, I don't think that's embarrassing for some reason. I mean, he's 82. What's wrong with that? We're all going to be 82 one day, right? Well, hopefully. But yeah, no, I, I can I can see Tar- Trevor McDonald. I just like his voice. Yeah, quite authoritarian. Knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Have you always had a crush on him? Like when you were young? Yeah. 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 It's just carried on. Not a recent thing. No. Here for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> what was the boy band that that guy was from, Robbie? The Ordinary Boys. The Ordinary Boys. All oh, right. Yeah. They were a bit shit. I think that's why I always got scoffed at is because they were a bit of a shit, shit band. And he was in, um, he was in Big Brother, wasn't he? he yeah, was... I got married to Chantel. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's... then he stormed, off, he stormed off. Never mind the Buzzcocks as well. Oh, that's right. Oh, I still fancied him. <laughs> we're doing a reenactment of Celebrity Big Brother Six, which is the one that he's featured on, and I play Chantel and Pete Burns, which is a heavy mix. Is that the series that George Galloway and Rula Lenska were in as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't play either of those characters, unfortunately. It's would, the best series. Of what, a great, what a great lineup that is. Yeah, it is great. Would you like me to be the cat? <laughs> 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 I love it. Well, thankfully, no one has walked out on this podcast. <laughs> thank you all for. Um, for being involved in our Zoom Quirmas quandary for 2020. Are we going to say good riddance to this year? Or has there been any good that's come out of it? 
There's been loads of good that's come out of it. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think I'd, I I I don't regret anything. You know, it's been shit for a lot of people, but for me, I've managed to find a way to navigate it. What about everybody else? Yeah, I think it's reset a lot a lot of people. You know, or it's made them think about their lives and where they're at and some people are going to go and do stuff with that some people are able to some people aren't able to do it but it's it's quite a good um kind of pause to take stock i guess if you can afford to do that um and there are lots of people out there who can't but yeah you know i think it will be interesting to see what happens and i i I couldn't call it you know what's going to happen in the next few years whether it'll go back to how it was or whether there'll be changes and to what extent there will be but i hope there will be positive ones yeah, I, I read an article today about like after the 1918 flu pandemic, there was the Roaring Twenties. Did you read that? And yeah. then, yes. uh, and that whole thing that they reckon that it will be, it will be kind of 2024 when there'll be like flourishing arts and like, um, and that after this there'll be like a, a kind of explosion of people wanting to do things that are uh, in close proximity to each other and you know lots of socialising, lots of partying, which I guess is what happened in the 20s. So I feel quite excited about that. I feel like it has been a shit year for lots of people and same as you Tom I've managed to find a way through it and like certainly I I feel like I'll really remember this year and that and I feel like kind of quite I don't know there's something about being part of it that has, will stick around in my memory and yeah but also like it's not like at the stroke of midnight everything's going to be fine is it it's like no it rumbles on <laughs> yeah it will don't think 2021 is going to be like Utopia. I have a a huge a lot of optimism about twenty twenty one. So I think things will will improve, and I think they'll improve as summer comes. And I mean, we've got like the festival of Brexit to look forward to. Very excited, (laughs) obviously. But in terms of arts, I think it's I think it's what it's done is reset that balance. So the power structures that have existed for as long as I've been working in the arts, which is over 20 years, have been all held to question. And so like now artists are just doing it for themselves. And I think that's a really brilliant thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of agree. I did. I, I also read that article about the Roaring Twenties and the, the Spanish flu. Uh, and I think you're right. I think what this year has made us realise is how much we lose from losing our freedom in many respects and how much we had and uh, how much we had to be thankful for when we could have been so negative about it and actually we 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 realize all the positives about it and hopefully that will come back with so much gusto and we will have a new lease of life in 2021 Anyway, we have come back to the end of our podcast. <laughs> Please, everyone, say goodbye to our lovely audience. Goodbye, lovely audience. Bye, lovely audience. Bye, bye. Goodbye. We will see you next time on What That Old Queen and have a fabulous Christmas, whatever you're doing. You have been listening to What? That Old Queen? Written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges. The show was produced by Bernie Hodges for Hodge Podcasting in the year 2020. 
If you have a Queens of Agony question, or you'd like to be a guest, or if you'd like to sponsor one of our shows, you can email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.